0: Good evening everybody. It is good to see everybody out this evening. Uh, Hope you all had a very wonderful day as always. Uh, It sure is beautiful out there. Uh, The fall is just coming around and uh, of course it is getting a little bit chillier, but I think we'll be okay. But it is a very, very wonderful day and it's good to see you tonight. Uh, Starting off this evening, it has been a sad couple of weeks in my corner of the world. There have been, as of late, some uh, people that I know that were not members of the church that have suffered through uh, the agony of death. One spouse, after a long battle of addiction to alcohol, passed away. And that person, in my opinion, was very young far too young to pass from such a, a problem as that. But then another friend of mine passed by their own hand just a few days ago and that was a uh, difficult experience to go through very sad shocking really it's the type of thing that leaves you with a lot of questions about what that person was going through what kind of turmoil they were having wishful thinking what could have possibly been said or done to help either one of those souls you think you try to do your best each day, but what else could have been? And those types of statements, not only in my mind, but spoken by several people around work who I know, always the wondering of what could have been said or done. Why would they do that? The agony, the pain, and the hole that has been left in their family because of their departure. And in truth, they have put off their earthly tent and entered eternity. But not only them. There's been so many that have passed over the past few days, we couldn't even imagine how many people die in a week. With these thoughts, I thought we could talk about three things tonight. One, the value of life itself. Two, purpose to life. And three, the value of peace in our lives. Life itself seems to be, to me, to be so very short anyway. I think most would agree we've said it time and time again many times from this pulpit right here each one can think back yesterday just yesterday when we were young and we felt good and we were strong we could do what we wanted to do we could play all day and suddenly we're looking back and remembering 20 30 40 years ago and life has gone by so quickly Memories upon memories. We can look at Job who endured much, as we all know, wearied by suffering and looking for ease and rest. But he also repeatedly spoke of how quickly even his days went by. Job chapter seven and verse six. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. In Job nine, twenty-five and twenty-six, now my days are swifter than a runner. They flee away, they see no good. They pass by like swift ships like an eagle swooping on its prey. And of course, we all know chapter 14 of Job, verses one through two, man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower and fades away. He flees like a shadow and does not continue. My, how quickly life is. One even more quoted is James four fourteen, in response to those who plan their days with little regard to God, deciding what they're going to do, how they're going to make a profit, and he says, What is your life? What is your life? It is but a vapor, uh, even a vapor, that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. What is your life? What is your life? Life to each one of us should be held as very important. There are many in my thoughts. Uh, certain rules that we must live by. At least one of these is life here is obviously temporary. It's not going to last forever. Of that we all know. It's too obvious. And at best it's short. Whether you're suffering as Job was, or if you live in an abundance, one must be mindful of how life is lived. Whether it be for yourself or whether it be for God. Your life is not your own. Did you ever think about that? I'm sure you have. It's not your own. All of us belong to God. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4 Behold, all souls are mine, the soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son, is mine. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 9, God is referred to as the Father of Spirits. It is He who created us who placed us, our spirit, in our bodies. We can also look at Zechariah 12 and 1, The Lord who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth, and forms the spirit of man within Him. It is that God has made us. He placed us, our now eternal, immortal self, within our bodies. And that life he gives us is very precious indeed. No one has the right to take that life from us, nor to take it ourselves. Even from the beginning of time, the preciousness of our lives has been made clear through the penalty of taking it. Genesis 9 and 6 God said, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. Life cannot, should not, be taken lightly. It can't be spent carelessly. Just spending it on our own selfish lusts for all of our days. God has made us with a reason for a purpose. There's reason to us living and breathing here. Even from creation, God has made man of the crown of creation. And in making him in his own image, man has wisdom, he has knowledge, he has reasoning, he has abilities, and God has placed him as dominion over God's creation. We know Genesis 1 26 through 28 very well. Even John quoted from it this morning. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. God has placed us over creation to use it well, to be wise with it. To multiply, to have families, of which many lessons can be spoke about, about God's love that we learn from our own families. But most are satisfied in life simply with living on what God has given them here. Fishing, hunting, the races, the weekend, enjoy everything that God has made but with no real appreciation for God Himself. They are happy to multiply, to have a family, to have a big family, to enjoy everything that you can enjoy with your family, with no real foresight to eternity. These are walk; those who walk in the broad way. They care little for their spiritual side, but that brings us to our next, the purpose of life. In Acts chapter 17, verses 24 through 27, many people don't even know why they're here. What are they doing? God, who made the world and everything in it, since He is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is He worshiped with men's hands as though He needed anything, since He gives to all life, breath, and all things. He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings, so that, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us, to look for God. It's not just to build our houses, to raise our families, to enjoy all our hands and minds can gather, but our purpose is to find God. And I want you to think about who God or who Paul was talking to when he said this. They were people that didn't know God at all, didn't even know God existed. They were idolaters. And yet Paul told them that God, the true God, is findable, even in their lives. He wasn't far from them. In fact, he told them that they came from him. Paul goes on to say in Acts seventeen twenty nine, Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, even those who didn't know God, can find God. Brother Eric Lyons in an article on Apologetics Press said, all human beings are divine in divine image bearers. All of us are sons and daughters of God by creation. In a sense, all of us have royalty in our blood. The blaringly obvious fact that each one of us has come from God, our lives are very valuable. We are to seek and glorify God whose image we bear because ultimately we all know we will return to him. Ecclesiastes 12 and 7. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. This life is a testing ground, a temporary place, a place to develop, to use the wonderful life God gave you to seek God to decide whether you will live for him or for self, and it is not wise to squander it, to waste it, to destroy it. You only have one chance through this life. What are you doing with it? But I know that life has its ups and downs. It has its times of joy and happiness. It has its times of turmoil and hardship. Hardship. Some may think life is too hard. They look for other things solely in this world to find their happiness. These things are temporal, and they can never fully satisfy you. Proverbs 29 and verse 18 says, Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. When people do not know God's will, then they will indulge in the world to try and satisfy themselves. Something that they cannot bring long-lasting happiness is the temporal things of this life. It may be satisfy them for a short period of time, but it's not going to satisfy for the long haul. It's only through God and His Word and obedience to that, that man can truly find happiness in life. All have problems in life dealing with turmoil, loss, or family. For to many today, life is not a life of peace but turmoil, heartache, trouble. The idea of peace to them seems out of grasp, unobtainable. Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14 verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you, let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. These disciples were soon to endure some serious persecutions rejections, imprisonments, trials, beatings, all the things that we know that they would endure in their life as servants of Christ, but yet peace, peace. Not a peace that the world gives, not a peace with no conflicts type of peace, where you don't run into any problems, it's not a peace from the world of pleasure or fame or wealth that life and its pursuits tend to bring. The more you have of this life, the more trouble it seems to bring. The peace Jesus gives is the peace of the soul. It's that inner peace. There is a spiritual peace that comes only in God. It is the inner peace, not because of a lack of sufferings, rejections, and hardships, but a peace we have in Christ even among those things in life. Jesus would say in John 16, In me you have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So let's think about that for just a minute. Peace is a fantastic subject. There's a lot to talk about peace. Over and over people have talked a lot about peace. In fact, the Bible has a lot to say about it and yet so few to seem to have peace in life. Why else is there so much drug abuse? Why else is there so much alcohol abuse, infidelity, addictions, fear? God is the God of peace. Romans 15 and 33. Now may the God of peace be with you all. Peace comes from Him. God is the God of peace. It originates with Him. Since real peace only comes from Him, it's logical that He would provide for us peace and the knowledge of it. Firstly, peace is ours through reconciliation because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Ephesians 2, 13-19, the Apostle spoke of how God reconciled God, man, to Himself. Both Jew and Gentile were removing that which was between them, which was the commandments or the law of Moses, and that which separated man from him, from God, which was sin. How was this done? Through Jesus shedding his blood on the cross for all. Thereby peace was accomplished between man and God. Ephesians 2.16 says, And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body, through the cross, therefore putting to death the enmity. We have peace of God because of what Jesus did for us. He shed his blood that that sin might be wiped away from us and that we might be in the right relationship with Jesus. His blood on the cross being shed for us, Colossians 1.20. But is it, uh, it is up to us to act on that. God did his part by offering Christ for us. That's the divine side. And we've got to respond. Romans chapter 5 and 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. The faith by which we are justified is an obedient faith. The faith that trusts God to do His will. We do this, of course, when we obey the gospel and do what He would have us to do to come in that right relationship. Having our sins washed away because of the blood of Christ. So peace is conditioned on having obedient faith to God. Obeying what he says. But do we stop there? Is that enough? There's much to learn about peace. And if we sit back thinking about all that, the things that's required, if we think that's it and just become a Christian, there's so much more to that. The Word of God tells us about peace. And I'd like to start tonight in Psalms one hundred nineteen, one sixty-five 165 through 167. And hear what the psalmist has says about peace and his love for the Word of God. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Peace and love for the word of God. Lord, I hope for your salvation, and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. We can look at Psalms 119, 47 through 50. I will delight myself in your commandments, which I love. My hands also I will lift up to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. Verse 50. This is my comfort in affliction, for your word has given me life. Psalms one o one nineteen verses 101. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. The love for the word of God, peace, hope, comfort, resisting temptation, resisting evil, all of these from God's word, which he loves, which he loves. Proverbs 3, 1 through 2. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands, For length of days and long life and peace, they will add to you. A love for the word of God. Do we love God's word? Many fail to have peace because they do not desire to know who God is. They want just what they want from God, but that's it. They don't love him, they don't love his word, and they don't obey his word. Other than to become a Christian. But if we want peace, then should we not go to the one who has all the answers on how to live this life? Through God's word. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1-4. through four. To those who obtained, obtained like precious faith with us, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The power of the word of God, the power of knowledge of the word of God. Grace and peace multiplied, increased to you through that knowledge. How much depends on knowledge. How much depends on knowledge of God. So many live with doubt, turmoil. We don't know how to treat one another or the lost or conflict. We continue in the world because it's what we know. It's what we live. We know it too well. We lack peace because we don't pursue the knowledge of God. We fear for our tomorrows and our troubles. He's given us everything we need to live that life that he approves of. He has told us of the glory of heaven and that we can know it is ours. He has told us how to live toward him and each other. And I believe that through all of this, all he has revealed, if we apply it, we can have peace at least to as much as we can acquire. The more we know God, the greater that will increase along with our ability to trust him, to know him, all he has done for us through knowledge of God, his grace, his promises of mercy, forgiveness. We have hope. We have joy. We know how he saves us and continues to save us. And we learn to love and trust God. Isaiah 26 and 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Can we trust God? Can we trust God? You can't trust someone You don't know. The last point I want to make about peace is in Philippians chapter 4. We as Christians are blessed in so many ways in every aspect of the life lived for God. He is our Heavenly Father who cares for us, each and every one of us. And I wanted to think about this one thing, and that was what Paul says in Philippians 4 and 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. The word rejoice means to be full of cheer. And I wanted you to think about where Paul was at this point in time. Many of you, you probably already know, but he was in prison, he was in bonds, he was in Rome, and he was waiting to be tried. And he says, Rejoice in the Lord, a man in prison. And he could encourage others to do the same. You know, as Christians, we have the greatest promises in the world. Nobody has it better than us. Rejoice in the Lord. We're children of God. He's our Savior, our Rock, our Deliverer. He gives us all good things. There's plenty to rejoice in the Lord over. Rejoice in the Lord. But in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, he says, Be anxious for nothing. How many of you think that's easy? I don't see any hands, and I didn't raise mine either. We're all trying, aren't we? Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. How do we do that, Lord? Life's not easy. Some days are way harder than others. Some days are a breeze. Some days are hard. In everything, by prayer. Prayer is the outpouring of the soul. By supplication, telling God your wants and your needs. And always always with thanksgiving about how great God is. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Stay close to God through prayer. How close are we to God? How much do we pray? And I know people talk about it all the time about prayer. Are you close to God in prayer? And as I got this together, I remembered a little story from when I was real small, and I thought I would share it here, and maybe it'll fit, maybe you'll get something from it, maybe you won't, but I was a very small child, very tiny, and I was holding my dad's hand in the store, and it was like this. I don't hold my dad's hand like that now, it would be, so I was holding his hand, and you know how kids are. You over there looking at candy bars or whatever? And I let go for a minute. Seemed like a second. It wasn't long. I reached up and grabbed his hand again, standing in line, and I looked around, and my dad was standing over there looking at me. I'd got hold of somebody else's hand. I only let go for a minute. It wasn't long. But I'd let him go, didn't I? How close are you to God? How much do you pray? Albert Barnes remarked here that about the words in everything, everything in reference to the supply of your wants, the wants of your families, everything in respect to afflictions, embarrassments and trials, everything relating to your spiritual condition. There is nothing which pertains to body, mind, estate, friends, conflicts, losses, trials, hopes, fears, and reference to which we may not go and spread it all out before the Lord. Tell it to God. That pretty much sums up everything, but I might add, and anything else. Because I didn't want to leave anything out. What's on your mind? Are you talking to God Go to God, Are you telling your heavenly Father the things that we endure. In fact, we endure so much because we simply do not go to God first and tell Him what we're dealing with. So many times I have a bad day or something happens, and I find great help in talking to my wife. I come home and I talk to her, and I thank God for her. That's my brownie point. For today. Maybe I'll get a brownie at the fellowship. We'll see. But I thank God that I have her to talk to you. And I think that is one of the things he wants us to do as husband and wife. And I know many of you find great comfort in those things, being able to talk to somebody you love. But with that same idea... The greatest avenue of comfort that we can all have, one of the overwhelming blessings of being children of God, is to tell it to God. He knows everything, He cares for us. 1 Peter 5 and 7. Cast your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. He knows what our needs are, and He wants us to talk to Him about it. Are you talking to God? Are you talking to God? Philippians 4 and 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God, that peace that is with God, and the peace that comes from being able to confidently put all in the hands of the one who is able and willing To help you. He is the one we can fully trust. It's a peace that we cannot fully understand. I can't explain it. It's something we strive for. It's a peace that comes not because we're confident in ourselves, in our own abilities, in our own wisdom, in our own strength in what we can do but one that comes because of our faith in God our Father to do what's best for us no matter what that is. He'll see you through it. I certainly don't claim to have peace all figured out. I hope you didn't think that. I encourage each one of us to study these things. God tells us a lot about it. I, like you, are striving to grow in faith, to walk closer to my God daily. I know that life is precious, it is a gift from God, it's so very valuable, so important to live it the way God wants you to. A life properly lived for God has great reward, an eternity of joy in heaven. Life has purpose. To seek and know Him who loves you and has done so much for you, to learn to trust and love God. It's a life that decides our eternal home. We think about heaven a lot, but really it's about who's going to be there. Our Father's going to be there. And it's not easy living. Life has great challenges, hardships, temptations to go through and such it must be. life. Has to be hard. We have to go through those things. It's the way it is. No matter what life throws your way, it can be a life with peace, at least as much as we can obtain, because of God. What He has done for us in Christ, what He reveals to us through His Word, and our breathtaking privilege to go to God in prayer for every thing knowing our Father does all for our good but the peace that God provides is for his children those who put their faith in him are you a Christian are you a Christian don't go through life without God don't carry the guilt of sin the turmoil of being lost, the fear of living and walking as part of a dark world with no hope. Why would you do that? Don't wait until the next bad thing happens in life before you wonder if your prayers are going to be answered. Why not come tonight? Repent of the life you've lived. Confess Jesus before man and be baptized for remission of your sins and arise to walk a new life with Christ in peace and hope and comfort and in joy. If you've done that, that and you still, are you still seeking God through his word? The psalmist said he loved the commandments of God, the law. Do we love God's word? Do we love God's word? Are you closer to God now than you were? Are you still reaching for his hand? Are you talking to him? Are you telling him what's going on in life?